Welcome back to 24 Faithful. We are excited to be back with you today to be able to talk about season number five. I think hands down our favorite season of 24, the pinnacle, if you will, and definitely excited to be able to delve into this today. Joel is not with us. He had a work engagement but we do have Bradley Adams with us to be able to drop his knowledge bombs and shocking, I don't know, observations. <laughs> I think I think actually Joel was lying about the work thing. He just was kind of not yet recovered from my Edgar take last week. I think that's more likely. Probably, probably. He tends to come up with excuses like I don't I don't know if he comes up with excuses like that. But anyway. <laughs> But good to be able to come and talk about season number five, though. And so as a intro to season number five, I watched the season five prequel on YouTube. And I had seen it years ago. And it was uh, it, 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 watching those prequels. They start with season four doing the prequels and then several of the seasons following that have prequels available. But anyway, so I watch and it kind of gives like a little bit of like in between story about kind of some of the things going on. And so in the prequel, you have Jack that is in Chicago and and he's going around all these semi trucks, meets up with Chloe and Chloe's like, hey, somebody's on to onto you they they came in and they found your autopsy report and looking up information i was able to do this but someone's onto it so she was letting jack know that jack asked how kim was doing kim obviously devastated Hi. <laughs> kim was obviously devastated that that jack had died supposedly and but she was getting better now that it had been a year. And so then after Chloe leaves, a motorcycle shows up and Jack's watching because very suspicious behavior because it drives by him, slows down, turns around and just sits there looking at him. And so Jack is watching and he's in his car and then another car peels around the corner and then a car chase ensues for a couple minutes and it ends in the person pursuing him. Their car slides and slams into a fork truck. Jack drives away, and the forklift, or the, not the forklift, the motorcycle driver sits, sits there and watches Jack as he drives away. So their intent, obviously, would not be very good. I'm sure they weren't saying, hey, you just won the sweepstakes. And so I, I threw this out to Bradley before we actually started recording that, I think it was Walt Cummings on the motorcycle, but he disagreed. <laughs> no, no chance. It might, I'll tell you who it might have been. It might have been the motorcyclist that watched Kim and Jane Saunders in season three. Mm. There was a mysterious motorcyclist then. I forgot about that. I don't think there's actually any connection between that and this one, but. Maybe it's Mandy. You know? <laughs> Maybe it's, it's Mandy. It's a Mandy appearance without showing her face or name or voice or anything. But anyway, so it, it was just interesting to be able to see that. And so, and so, 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 so again, just to refresh everyone's memory over where we're at. So at the end of season four, Jack and a small team invade 
the Chinese consulate to be able to take a, a prisoner. And in the process, the consulate or the yeah, the consulate dies in the process. They're trying to get Jack to and take him in, but Walt Cummings has a different plan. So instead of taking Jack in to deliver to the Chinese, they're going to execute Jack. And so Jack gets wind of this and he conspires a way to be able to fake his death. And so they fake his death assisted by Tony Almeida, Michelle and Chloe. And so they assist him in that, get him out of CTU, create a whole cover story David Palmer also knows about this. And so then Jack and Jack has a conversation with him where president Palmer ends the conversation, basically saying after this, after you hang up basic for all intents and purposes, Jack Bauer is dead. And so then Jack Bauer walks off into the sunrise and there he is supposedly dead, supposedly gone off grid no one can find him except for this mysterious person in the prequel. But then we get to the beginning of season five. And apparently the fake death was more known than anyone knew. We have the assassination of David Palmer as he's standing in Wayne Palmer's apartment and they're working on his memoirs and he gets shot through the glass and then also, in addition to that, Michelle and Tony are targeted, and Michelle dies in the car blast. Tony gets knocked unconscious. And then also, about the same time, Chloe is targeted as she wakes up from an illicit night with a coworker, and she's on her way to work, and she's being tracked and followed. She sees it and realizes it escapes. She calls Jack who is going by the name Frank Flynn. And it looks like, I guess, working in an oil, oil field industry or whatever, but kind of like a day-by-day basis if there's work available. And so Chloe gets a hold of him and says, I know this is only for emergencies, and this is an emergency. And, and so then that whole, I mean, it's a great opening. I hate that they killed off those, those characters, but it was a great opening overall. It's the best premiere by a long way. I, I love the pilot of the show. I love the season four premiere, but this is just far and away the best opener they ever did. It's the best, I call it the multi-scene act. So to explain what I mean, where, say, for example, the, uh, the Paul Rain scene at the end of last season, Paul Rain's death is the final act. It's the clock comes in and we cut into CTU medical and Paul Reigns gets into is in surgery and Jack rushes, Jack rushes Mr. Lee in and all the rest of it in shoes. That's the act. And that's one scene. This at the start of this uh, episode, there are seven different scenes I counted, which take place before the first clock comes on screen to go to an ad break. And it is by far the best act multi-scene act that they did it is it's almost surgical actually in the way that it approaches things if you watch it you know i've i've seen it 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 probably veers into the hundreds of times now and i'm not exaggerating it's it's marvelous and i could go back to it whenever i want but you watch it through and you see partially knowing what's coming 
in terms of David Palmer looking at the newspaper of Charles Logan and the utter hatred that looks that has on his face. He clearly knows what Logan's up to. I don't know the ins and outs of when they knew Logan would be the the big bad behind this season. But I think that there, there certainly was a feeling, and you can see it watching the premiere and subsequent episodes, that you know something's going to happen with Logan. They knew something was going to happen with Logan. They knew that there was something suspicious behind his administration. And you can see that in David Palmer. But the way, it, is, it is very surgical in that you go through and you have that opening scene of Jack and then you cut straight to David Palmer and he gets killed. And then it's Logan and that reaction. And then it's how a CTU responding to it. And then it's how's Chloe responding to it. And then it's how Jack's responding to it. And then it's killing Tony, or sorry, killing Michelle and almost killing Tony. And there's this, I talk a lot about Sean Callery, but one of the best pieces of score, not because of sort of it's as a track, there are, there are so many great tracks that he did. But I think this is possibly the high for Sean Callery, simply because there's that pulsing heartbeat type sound that I'm sure you can hear if you, if you picture this, this opening. I'm sure you can hear it. It sort of resonates throughout the season. But particularly in this first 15 minutes, you feel it there. It quickens the pace. It makes you get on edge. You know something's about to happen. There's the, the tension to it. And it just... It's marvellous. It is absolutely marvellous. You start this season on the back of at the end of last season. We talked about it and said it, it felt like a bit of a definitive ending. If they decided to end the show at season four, you would think that's well wrapped. And you get to the start of this season. Okay, how are we going to pick up? Are we going to sort of season four threw us into it a little bit with the hella kidnapping at the end of the episode. But at the, at the start, it was it was fairly quiet. We had the train, but then it's jack's in a relationship with audrey there's a new ctu etc this just no throws you straight into the deep end and lets you drown and watches you drown and revels in watching you drown and i i can't say that that's a bad thing yeah it's really good and and i think it's really interesting too well well first of all this is another time that jack tried to get away from doing field work and we've talked about this several times because it keeps coming up and so i mean there's there's all the different times that he tries to get out of field work but he gets drugged back into it sometimes literally (laughs) and and so this is another one of those times when when it's like he finally thinks he's away from it not the way that he wants to be away from it because he wants to be with his family and his friends the people that he loves and but he doesn't want to be involved in the field work or at least one half of his brain doesn't want that but, but yeah, but then we also see here that even after all this time, he hasn't lost his touch. Um, he still is sharp. He's got his skills. He's, he's like just as good as ever when we, when we see this here. But we also see that his heart is still there. And so even though he's trying to keep himself hidden, he's trying to protect people, he's trying to do all these different things, he still has that heart to where it's like, I can't let whatever, an innocent person. And so in the case of, we have Derek and he gets in danger several times and Jack, you you can see the struggle in his face. It's like, I need to go do this, but here's Derek and I can't just leave him that way. And, and so you, you see that he still has that heart and, but he still has, he still has that touch, even though we fast forward just a little bit, a couple episodes and he's in the airport and he gets, becomes a hostage himself. He's still, 
thinking and and actively trying to go through and figure out a way out of this because to him there's always a way out and so so he he's comes up with all those different things and so he has not lost his touch at all through any of that yeah jack jack is just as good as ever Kiefer won the emmy for the premiere john Cassar won the emmy for directing the premiere and you can't argue with that i think it's shot for shot i think it's pretty much a perfect episode of 24 mm-hmm. um that scene, the scene at the end of the premiere, Jack shooting Haas is just one of the most iconic. No, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, that, that was I'm, good. I, 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 I was I was hired to take out the principal. You're the one who killed David Palmer. Yeah, take me to a hospital. Right, sure, right oh. on it. <laughs> yeah, and and I like that too. There's a couple of quotes that that we jotted down. You jotted down most of them, but but one of them I remember was was Chloe and Derek during that that scene right there as Jack is dealing with with Haas and and Chloe here and and you see Derek he's getting all flustered and Chloe's like oh don't worry he's good at this <laughs> I can't remember the yeah. exact phrasing I didn't write it down but <laughs> so yeah. I love that yeah he's really good at this <laughs> yeah and so and then and then Jack has that quote to or that he turns to Derek and he says the only reason you'll start you the only reason you're still conscious is because I don't want to carry you. Every time I see that, it's hear that, so I laugh. <laughs> it's the thing. Like this is that's five minutes into episode two, and you can already tell that this season is just going to be next level. Uh, there were a lot of even even as good as sort of seasons one to four were. I think there were a lot of doubters at the time. Tim Goodman of formerly of the Hollywood Reporter, back then of the San Francisco Chronicle, the TV critic. He was sort of skeptical from the first few seasons, sort of season four. I think he was a bit like, well, this is nonsense. It's entertaining nonsense, but it's utter, utter nonsense. And then season five came along and he sort of just went, well, now this this is crazy, but you have to be watching it. it. It is unmissable television. And it very much is. You know, there are, we talked about it last week, that there are moments that are just absurd and you have to really suspend your disbelief to get involved with them. But when you get to the way that season five stars and the impact that those those two deaths, I think we can't overstate enough the, the two deaths and, and the Tony near death at the start of this episode. I don't think we can overstate how much of an impact that has on setting the tone for the season, not just in terms of, well, everything's on the table, but also this is, this is must watch. You cannot miss this because things are going to happen and you're going to regret missing it. Yeah, definitely. And one thing I, I really like is is when he goes. So, so immediately, Jack gets gets to work, and he goes to the airport, and he doesn't know about the attack that's about to go on. There's no tip off or anything. He's going there. He's going to meet Diane and drop off Derek and and part ways. But but they see what's going on and. And so Jack goes in, he tells Derek to stay. He goes in and Derek, like the typical teenager, I guess, is I'm not going to, you're not my dad. Or I don't know. <laughs> he didn't quite have that, but he's. <laughs> no, you, I, I think you put, you put a very bratty look on him there. He went in to warn Jack because there were yeah, a bunch know, of <laughs> people that looked very suspicious in a van going to into the building that he was just in. I think Derek did the right thing. Yeah. Albeit I know, but <laughs> slightly stupid. I know, but it. But still, he, he does kind of have that kind of attitude, though. Not that particular moment. But yeah, so I think by that point, it's like, 
I think he started getting endeared to Jack. Obviously, at the beginning, did not like him at all. But now he's like, okay, this is someone a little different. I can work with this, I guess. Anyway, so he goes. So, so anyway, so so they go in, and Jack does a a really good job at the airport. He goes in with no backup and no real plan, and doesn't know really what he's getting himself into. But he goes in, and he's able to hide and observe. And then he calls CTU to give them some information. And they're like, wait a minute, you're. And so, and so they start accusing him. He's like, no, I didn't do that. I'm being framed. I'm getting set up, but this is what's going on. This is what's happening. And, and they're trying to tell him what to do. And he's like, I don't work for you. I don't work for CTU. I can, I can either stay here and provide you some information so we can get this taken care of, or I can just do it myself. <laughs> I love that. And so it just really goes to show. I mean, and, and this like, this is the epitome of who Jack is. And they're like really showcasing it during i mean this whole season but especially this part right here yeah i don't think we should underestimate the fact that i think this aired i'm sure you'll remember better than me but i think this aired as as a two-day four-part premiere that the first two episodes were on the sunday night and then episodes three and four were on the monday night the night after i think i think that it might be i don't remember i didn't watch this one live yeah. So instantly in four episodes, not only are you almost tipping the chessboard over of 24, you're, you're taking what everyone thought they knew and sort of thought was going to be the status quo. And we all know that 24 kills off people. We, we saw that Terry Bauer set the tone for this. But you kind of think that, okay, David Palm was probably safe. Michelle and Tony, well, they're retired. They're off. They'll be fine. It, you know, it's the characters like Edgar who will come to, obviously, but characters that are in the show now that aren't sort of pushed to the side that'll be the ones that we might lose. And the premiere decided to get rid of them very, very quickly. And then sort of the impact of, like you say, of Jack being in the airport by himself and dictating to Bill, no, no, we're doing this my way or you can do it by yourselves. And just reminding us of exactly who Jack is and how... He hasn't lost his touch. You're quite right about that. And that this, even even as this season does sort of descend into your typical 24 or certainly t- typical Jack, which is that he's back working for CTU, but never really quite within the confines of what they want him to do and sort of going out of his way and getting people arrested at CTU for helping him, etc. But we establish here that this is kind of a bit different and that Jack really is just, he's out and he's the good person that we all know he is and he's going to do it his way and it's, it's going to get done, but Bill might not like it. CTU might not like it. Logan might not like it. I I think it's great. We talked before as well about the nine to 11 AM in season four and how it felt very filler and how it felt very like, well, this story doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. We can't accept why this is taking so long. And it, it's just taking two hours out because they need to take two hours out. The story that they want to get to, they have to pass a certain amount of time mm-hmm. and you've got to fill that with something. This actually feels relevant, not only in the way that Baresh giving and, and the key card and Erwick and the nerve gas, all that comes together, not just that, but it feels like there's emotion behind it. There's emotion behind the fact that Jack's alive. There's emotion behind 
Jack's connection to Derek and Diane and the reunions of, of Curtis and Jack and all the tension with the, the treaty. And it, it just, it feels much better written. It feels much more important. It feels like, unlike in season four, early in the show here, 24 actually wants you to go, everything's important. Pay attention. Even if it might not have consequence, it might have consequence. And even now, within itself, it has plenty of consequence. Whereas I don't think that was here for a lot of season four. I think that's one of the things they have drastically improved on from last season. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they 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 dovetailed everything together so well in this to where to where, yeah, like you said, even if it might at first seem like there's like there's no connection or whatever, you don't see the importance, it's there. Um, and they they do eventually connect it, and they don't wait like the whole season to be able to connect that. They they do it fairly quickly, especially here during these first parts. Here, they 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 close the loop pretty quickly, and so they open it. They get your interest, but they 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 they, they grab onto the next thing before and and whatever they they hook them together before it starts to drag on, and you start to lose interest or get bored with it or whatever, and so. They do really well with that, definitely. I, I liked in season four when it was the briefcase on the train being the override and that being the very first thing we saw of season four. And then it kind of ceasing to exist for five episodes. I actually was in favor of that. I think that worked quite nicely. But you are right that here, and it, it adds to the relentlessness feeling that season five has, that it doesn't feel like you get a break ever. We start with the most impactful scene of the season in David Palmer getting killed, Michelle Dessler getting killed. And it never, it never feels like it stops. It never feels like it slows down for any length of time. So you have the assault on the airport. And then the second that that's done, there's a nerve gas threat. It, it just it comes at you so, so fast and you never really get a chance to breathe. And you get four, say you get four episodes in, you kill two main, main characters. You've already dealt with a terrorist attack. You've got another one looming. You've got all these other sort of things going on with Martha Logan and the potential for ordering Jack's reunion and all of this stuff. And we're four episodes in. It, it, it's absolute chaos, and I love it. Yeah, and of course, they, there's always relationship things that come with this as well. And so there's, as, as we get started into this, during this, this whole sequence, and you're seeing Jack as Frank, before everything starts to blow up and all that, you can start to see that there's something, maybe a little spark between him and Diane, which is interesting. And so obviously we know the feelings that Jack has for Audrey, but, and so it might seem weird. Okay. Why are you trying to get interested in this? But then again, you got to think, okay, he's for all intents and purposes, Jack Bauer is dead as we stated. So as far as he knew, he was never going to get back to any of his old life. He wasn't going to get back to with any other, other people that he knew previously. And so as far as he knew, okay, there's no hope. There's no other way for me to go. Let me just move on. Even though my heart's still back there, there's, he's moving forward. But, but you made a note here that at least they didn't make this a love triangle like they did in season four there, there there's a little bit of a confrontation that comes a little bit later but it's nothing like 
like what's in season four. This is really mild. I don't think there even is a confrontation, is there? There's a bit of Diane and Audrey questioning each other, just making sure Diane trying to find out from Audrey whether she's in love with him. There's yeah. There's a mini love triangle in the sense of they communicate indirectly for an hour. That Jack talks to Diane and Jack talks to Audrey and Audrey talks to Diane. Diane talks to Audrey and they find out from each other where everyone stands. And it's Diane who tells Jack that I think, I I think it's actually Diane. I can't remember exactly, but I think it's Diane that tells Jack and Audrey that they both still love each other. So it is, like I say, it it avoids the love triangle of jealousy and all be with me. Diane quite clearly realizes that Frank Flynn is dead. Yeah. To put that, put it that way. He's, he, he didn't exist to begin with, but the, the man he knew is Jack Bauer and he's never coming back. That, that life is gone and any hopes that she had with him were gone as well. And she recognizes that. And I think it, it's fair. And we get into Jack and Audrey, which I think is so much more interesting. And it's more interesting because A, we got rid of, we avoid the, the, the love pork triangle with Paul and things like that. But it's also because there's actual meaning and sentiment to their conversations. I spoke before about a lot of the time in season four feeling they have to have a conversation. They have to have a conversation of checking on each other and Jack reassuring her that he doesn't want to do this and sorry for getting you involved and we'll talk about this later and I want everything to be okay, etc. It felt like that was always there in season four. Season five it feels like there's something behind it. There's the, the the wonderful conversation when Jack's waiting to meet Mike and Audrey sort of begs him, please don't go away again. And th- it's just a really nice conversation. And we have little ones like that that pop up throughout the season. There's a lot of sort of standard work chat between them. And sometimes the relationship stuff disappears. But as we'll talk about when we come to the nerve gas attack on CTU, there's some great stuff in that. And it, it feels like more of a relationship. It feels like more thought is being put, thought and effort is being put into actually establishing these two and re-establishing them, and making it feel like they're real people in this real relationship. Where at times season four didn't feel like that was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. And so I I made the statement that in season four I didn't fully buy into them as a couple, but here in season five. So by this time, they've gone through, I guess you could say, they think they went through a pretty significant fight as a couple <laughs> in season four over Paul Reigns. And there was all that trauma and everything that they went through. I mean, there's a lot of ups and downs in season four with, with their relationship on that day. And then Jack has his fake death and he disappears for a while. So I think they've both been able to process through their feelings and all of that. And now they get back to a place to where they're together. They're confronted with, okay, this is what happened, but this is where we are now. This is where we're going forward. And I think, I think they've been able to like, I don't know. I'm trying to think of the right words, but, but they've been able to solidify their relationship a little bit better. It's partly that realization of things you can't have, isn't it? That Audrey realized at the end of season four, hating Jack fine or she thought she hated him he thought she hated him he, she says here he didn't really she didn't really mm, not sure I believe that fully but anyway sort of realizing that Jack's dead 
it's off the ta- obviously it's off the table but that's gone forever and jack realizing that having had to fake his own death that's the last time he'll ever see audrey and he was never really in doubt of what he felt but the whole scenario did make it much more complicated so having it come back now and giving them this second chance it does it does very much feel like they've had that time to realize how important they are to each other and I think actually having all the events of the end of season four, particularly Jack's death, of course, that's really made it a firm thing and that's helped it to to grow into an actual relationship here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And so the, the relationship with, with Jack and Audrey, you know, during this six episodes, there's not a lot, but... But but as as we see through the rest of the season, it gets they they get really connected, they get really deep, even to where then when we get to season six, the lengths that they go for each other, um, in there, and we'll get there. We'll we'll talk about that at a different point. But 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 you see that starting to form now that that relationship that they have, and so, so I think that, I think it's really really shouldn't reminded me of season six. I'm sorry. I was, I, I was so happy, and then you reminded me of season six. Okay, well, let's go back to season five then. And so, to make you happy, let's talk Yay. about Logan. <laughs> okay, so I like Logan. So <laughs> Logan's okay. He's for me. He's the he's the villain I love to hate, and so and so he 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 does does well with what he he does, and so he I don't know. We thought I mentioned last week that. I I don't know. <laughs> I I don't know. We we just see a different, I guess, a different person here. He's as you kind of mentioned last week when we were talking that it seems that he, like in season four, he's very unsure, not exactly sure about getting his footing and all that. Of course, it's just the first couple hours of him taking presidency after a tragic accident to the pres- president. But, but then we see here, and he's a he's a lot more commanding. And of course, we find out a little bit later that he is very conniving and very involved in some very evil things. I still kind of wonder about what his intentions were starting out, and maybe he just got over his head, and that may be very well the case to where it's like he's like, oh yeah, we can do this, and he started going, and then it just became a very slippery slope to where it's like he's caught, and he just has to keep keep treading the water to to be able to try to keep going along so on the subject of him being more presidential this season yes but also no Rewatching it there are a couple of things i noticed the first thing is that his very first line of this season always sticks in my mind him coming into the into the office into that little conference room area and saying walt my chair he wanted it adjusted to not be looking down on the uh, sorry, not be looking up at the the president of, you know, the, of Russia, President Suvorov. He already at that point seems more authoritative. He seems more presidential. He seems more in command. Everything about Gregory Itzin's portrayal at that point, the way he carries himself, the way he speaks, it feels like, okay, this is not David Palmer, but in that ilk of David Palmer was very con- commanding and in control and nerveless. And Logan suddenly has that feel to him. And then you watch the the airport stuff. 
And he is very decisive, but I still don't think he's a very good president, even at this point. He shouts at Mike to say about, I don't care how you do it. I don't care what it takes, fix it with regards to sorting the airport crisis before the treaty is signed. He shifts the responsibility onto Mike where I don't want to keep on comparing him to David Palmer, but you feel like David Palmer would have and did manage these things himself. And I imagine Keeler probably did as well. In what little that we saw of him and aside from that. And then he sort of has that reflective moment, Logan, of saying he knows that he's ambitious and he wants the treaty to be the big thing of his presidency, but he didn't think he'd sacrifice innocent life. And then he signs it, and Martha has this issue with the phone call to David Palmer that she's heard, and the transcript proves that the recording was false. Incidentally, Gene Smart, so good, so, so good the whole way through this season. But he Logan just dismisses her and says, don't ruin this moment for me. It's all about him. Yes, he's signed the treaty. Yes, it's a historic day for his presidency, but there's a potential big thing here and he's just dismissive and preying on his ego and all all up about himself. Even Baresh calls him a weak man <laughs> to, to Jack. So I there there is a, a great deal more that's presidential about him here, but I don't feel he's particularly very good as a president Mm -hmm. if that makes sense i don't know i don't know how you feel about it no i agree yeah he definitely seems a lot more authoritative but but yeah the the way he acts is is not good i mean the president should be looking out okay what's the best for the country for the people not just what what am i going to be known for that that seems to be all that he was all about it's like here's this here's this treaty which is going to like make whatever historic like it's going to be this big historic thing and but it, it it's like it's like is this really how you wanted to go down and so yeah you can't well i guess you kind of could control what was going on but anyway <laughs> but anyway so so it, i mean that aside i mean if the the very fibers of that treaty were so weak that this incident was going to break it or could potentially break it, then I I don't know. It just seems (laughs) it's like you would think that you're going to make something so momentous that it's like, okay, nothing can stop this. Nothing can, can undo what we're about to do as opposed to, okay, here, if we do this and then this happens, Oh my word, it's just going to totally undo the whole. It's like, okay, it's not, not very, that's not a very strong stance of what you want to try to do. But anyway, starting to get a little political, I mean, if we, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> no, you are right. And, and partly I can understand it. Partly I can understand Suvaro's point of how if the terrorists kill the hostages, then the treaty becomes not only meaningless, but they become a mockery and it becomes a mockery as well. I get that. You are right, though, in the, the whole, if we call this off now, the Russians won't come back angle. That's a little bit. Yeah, and that's the more part I was thinking of. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the stretch for me. If we if we exclude the whole Logan is a terrorist type thing, then you yeah. I, I kind of get it. I do I do get it in that Logan wants to achieve something and, and when you do take away that element of, of working with Henderson and Graham, etc., that 
presidents do often get remembered by things. And I think he realizes his own weaknesses. We knew that he realized his own weakness in season four and calling in David Palmer to help him through that crisis. And I imagine that he knows if he doesn't do this kind of treaty, doesn't do something huge like this, that's, I don't want to call it a gesture, but it feels like a gesture. It feels like something that he can parade in front of the world and say, look, I did this. And anything incompetent that he did over the four years or eight years, depending on if he got reelected, would sort of be swept under the carpet. And all the the nervousness and the indecisiveness of his early days and the shirking of responsibility that he displays here, all of that just kind of disappears. Because he did he, he's then remembered as the president who signed the historic United States Russia Treaty, who opened up relationships with a country that, you know, the Cold War existed and all of the tension that's been with Russia for the last God knows how many years. It, he's remembered for that. And so, yes, I, I kind of made the point that he was very egotistical. I also kind of get it because I think he knows how bad he is. Hmm. So, yeah, and I guess this would be toward the end of his presidency. We're only 18 months in. Well, we're 18 months into him taking over. This is a good point. This is a good point. So we're probably maybe somewhere around year three, three is not it? quite getting into like the election year stuff, but yeah, so he's probably looking at, okay, I'm, I'm at this point. I'm getting at this point here to where if I don't do something now, that's going to stand out in the minds of the American people. I'm not going to get reelected to be able to serve a second term. And so, and yep. so that, that's very much it. And so I think that is his, his thing. And so I, I think we kind of saw the same thing though, with David in season three to where David was starting to get desperate for being able to win the election. And so he was reaching farther than he should have to be able to do that. And so Logan, though, I mean, but I mean, I mean, Palmer had, a lot of credibility and all that going for him already. He had, I don't know what all happened in his presidency prior to this or whatever, but he had a good standing of, I mean, at least in season two, he helped to avert a, a major national crisis. And so he had that in his presidency to be able to look back at, if nothing else. And so, and so now we're coming up in season three and he's going through that again, but here, Logan he yeah he kind of as he kind of took over there was that crisis there but seemingly there's nothing else really that really happened in his presidency and so this would be his chance to be able to do that and i i suppose for him going to a position of being vice president he would have aspirations of becoming the president anyway even if it didn't happen the way it did he probably would have had aspirations to do that at a future election anyway. And so this was going to be his chance to be able to do that. And so, but he was just looking at his own ambitions, as you mentioned, and being very selfish and a lot of those things. And just that whole attitude too, like you said, like, I don't care how you do it. Just, just get it done. It's like, it's like, okay, you need to take a little bit more care. I mean, how it gets done does matter. And I mean, if you want, I mean, that it's one thing for Jack to say that, but for the president as an official kind of statement kind of thing, that's not the attitude that the president should have. 
No, in, in that that scene when Mike finds out about about David, he calls it the defining moment of his presidency, the the treaty. And on that point of the uh, conversation with Mike and the hey, don't care how you do it. This is a this is a recurring theme. It's it sort of causes some of the problems later on when we talk about Lynn McGill next week and the fallout with that. And also when Hal Gardner comes in, because I don't think we'll talk about this uh, next week, when Hal Gardner comes in and suggests martial law, it's not it's something that Logan would never have thought of. He never would have implemented that. But Hal Gardner comes in, the vice president pitches it, and then he's all, oh, this is a good idea, let's do this. He, he's, he's, Beresh is right. And Nathanson and Beresh and all the people behind Nathanson were very much right to target Logan and think that he's weak and think that he can be got at and think that attacking an airport would make him stop signing the treaty. So, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It, 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 it's, it's the improved Logan, but I wouldn't say it's particularly new. Yeah. True. And of course we have a uh, carryover from season four. We have Walt Cummings that's introduced very quickly as, as a mole, as a, a someone that's dirty working with the terrorists and I don't, I, I think he's just a great fall guy for the whole situation, especially looking back and you see everything that happens. I mean, he's a very easy, convenient person to be able to put in that position. And so I, I mean, I, I, it's not a surprise when you see, Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, he tried to get Jack killed at the end of season four. So it kind of makes sense that, he's still kind of doing some shady things. Like he's not afraid to quote unquote, get his hands dirty and be able to take care of these things that the president can't or shouldn't do. But anyway, it... no, and I, I think that's kind of the point, you know, it's not a mean level mole. This it's not meant to be, Oh my God, this character is actually betraying us. We know that Walt Cummings is horrible. We know that he's, slimy and we don't like him from season four from the way he ended that season with with jack and with logan and dave palmer and yes it is a cliffhanger at the end of the second episode that he's revealed as a mole but i don't think the intent is there particularly to make you get to to shock you i don't think uh, it's probably one of the very few if the only mole reveals whereby you kind of just meant to go along with it and be like well yeah that makes sense and yeah, okay, it's a bit of a surprise that he's working with terrorists. There was, we, we knew that he does dirty work and that he is happy to operate outside the law and sanction off-book murders because that's the kind of character he is. But this is a little bit more of a stretch. So in that sense, yeah, okay, surprise. Here you go, big thing. Be surprised. But it doesn't, it pales in comparison to what we'd seen before that, the, the death at the start of the show. And all the stuff that we'll come to see. And it's just a bit of a means to an end. It's, it's Walt Cummings is disliked and it gives us an in and it gives us slightly more to work within the White House. And it gives us more of a connection to the fact that Jack's alive and, and, and the knowing of that in that Cummings was the one that sanctioned the murder. It stands to reason that he's part of the people that know that he was alive and want to do something about that. But yeah, so I think in, in light of, of Joel, since he's not here, and so we can compare the reveal of this mole to the one of Nina <laughs> being revealed. <laughs> so 
it, or maybe not compare contrast because this one was not a, I mean, yeah, there was a little bit of a surprise, but it's not a big surprise. Whereas with Nina, it, it was a little bit more of a jarring surprise because you didn't quite see that coming that you don't have a whole season building up and then this final little twist. And so this one, we got a little, we had, we have a negative view of him in season four. And then here right on in the early part of season five, we, we get the reveal. Okay. He's working with the terrorists to some extent. And, and so I, yeah, I, I don't, yeah, I, I never really saw it. Even at that point, I'm trying to think back to like, when I first saw it before I had knowledge of the rest of the season, I never really saw him as like the guy that was in control of it. Like he instigated it, but he just happened to be like the, the go between. He was like a, not, not a coordinator, but a communicator. He was like conveying information or, or whatever. I, that, that's more of what I kind of saw him as. And he was like, and, and it was just so prominent because he's like, right there next to the president. And so it's like, it's like the terrorists, they got up, they got into the, they got a hold of this guy somehow, some way or whatever. And now they're collaborating. And so, or it could have been maybe like a season two type of thing where it's like, okay, we're trying to, we're trying to take control of this. And there's somebody else that's, that's controlling it and brought him in because of his power and his authority and his position being close to the president but they didn't want to get the president because surely the president wouldn't want to get involved in this kind of situation but anyway so i surely not so so anyway i I didn't see him as a as a mastermind at all with this even though it is interesting though because like you kind of see the way he acts at the beginning and then whenever he reveals to logan that he's been in in communication about about everything that's going on and he's part of it or whatever is it's like his attitude kind of shifted a little bit like okay no this is this is what we're gonna do i know you're the president and i'm your chief of staff but this is what we're doing and it, it kind of changed a little bit when he when all that came to light in that area but anyway it's why I, I like the fact that Nathanson's introduced before Cummings as a mole is introduced. He has that conversation with Duresh and he's got the billion monitors that he has in his little dark room. But you kind of see that he's the one behind all of this. He's masterminding this side of it and then Cummings is almost a pawn. And yeah, he can take control when it's sort of surprising actually that Nathanson's solution to a Cummings problem is tell the president everything. That's an odd solution that I wouldn't have expected, but you can see there that he has the... Uh, the clout and the, the the cojones, I guess, to actually stand up to the president and say, no, this is the thing. And he's acting in the best interest of the country, or so he thinks, and so he says, and so he prays to Jack and all the rest of it that you kind of get bored by after 10 watches. But yeah, no, you are right. He 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 is, well, he's, he is a pawn. He just, he's working for them. He's not masterminding it. And Logan, it's one of the great things actually about when we come to the end of the season, and we realized that Logan being behind it, of course, Logan knew of Walt Cummings, but Walt Cummings didn't know about Logan. And so we spend, and it's, it's really great as well that we watch the episode here where Cummings runs him through everything, what their plan is, what's happening. And Logan stands there and he has to stand there and play dumb and play 
horrified and all the other emotions that he has to be because he's the president and he's not involved in anything. And how dare you go behind my back on this and commit crimes when you're the chief of staff. And yet when you know the backstory to it and what's coming, the fact that you can sit there and it, it's fantastic from it's in and from Logan as a Logan as an actor to just be all straight faced and not let on that he knows everything that Walt Cummings has done every step of the way. It's, it's quite incredible. The other thing we should probably mention is the interrogation of Walt oh, Cummings, yeah. which is absolutely marvelous. So good. So, so good. Yeah. There's a lot of good parts to that. And one of the parts for me that I really like is Aaron Pierce's role in it to where Jack, Jack comes in and, and he aligns with Aaron tells him what's going on. And, and so they, they go in and they're, and, and they're in there in the room. There's Logan and there's Walt Cummings and Jack and Aaron and Jack is there like physically assaulting him. And Logan's like, Aaron, do something. And he's like, I am, sir. <laughs> it's like, yes. I'm upholding my oath to protect you. Yes. <laughs> that was good. Magnificent. Yeah, yeah this, I mean, well, it's not the last we'll talk of Aaron, but no, no, yeah, this season is I don't know that I, I already really liked Aaron, but this season like really like sealed it for me with him. Yeah, the, I, I, the, the weirdly one of the quotes most of season five sticks in my mind, but one of the sort of offbeat type ones that sticks in my mind is him talking to the agent who arrests Jack and being like, um. What is Jack Bauer doing here? Why is he under arrest? And why wasn't I told? <laughs> <laughs> he, he's he's so good, Aaron. I love Glenn Moore show up. Yeah, but yeah, it, it's it's one of the iconic scenes, and there are so many in this scene, like so so too many to count, too many to even talk one podcast about. Yeah, but the I'm gonna you've read my file. First thing I'm gonna do, I'm gonna take out your left eye. Then I'm gonna, I'm gonna take out your right eye. Then I'm gonna cut you. I'm gonna keep cutting you until I get the information that I want. <laughs> But what's funny is that he goes for the right eye first. I, I might have got I might have got the eyes okay. r- r- mixed around. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I can't remember, but he obviously gives up the information yeah. because who wouldn't in that scenario? Yeah, he doesn't <laughs> want to lose his eye. <laughs> no, who would? I mean, he gets hanged an hour later. So yeah, I mean, there. Well, he's hang- he hanged himself. It was suicide. Ah, uh, sure, sure, he That's did. A Josh, yeah. But- yeah. next episode or next week <laughs> anyway i love this season and there's a lot of great stuff and i'm looking forward to be able to go through the rest of it too so and hopefully we'll have joel back with us next week and he can tell us everything that he disagreed with and we'll probably get that all <laughs> within the first five minutes i can probably bet next week and so anyway yeah. <laughs> thank you bradley appreciate it and we are gonna sign off for this week if you want to send in your own feedback you can definitely do that you can find us on twitter the 24 podcast or you can go to the website 24faithful.com and we would love to be able to get your feedback there as well you can send a send an email there or you can uh call in the number is 405-771-0567 and would love to be able to get your feedback and even play it right here on the podcast (laughs) 